Let's pray and let's jump into God's word for us this morning. Father God, thank you. Thank you for your word to us. Lord, we say we love you. And we ask that you would prepare our spirit, man, this morning to hear and to see what you would have us to hear and see. In your mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Yeah. So I don't know about you, but I have some people in my life that are Olympians. I won't share their names, but they are gold medal winners in worrying. Any of you have some of those people in your life? Some of the best worriers that I've ever met. And some of you have been conditioned from when you were really small to even understand what, before you even understood what life is all about, to worry because you never know what's going to come around, you know, down around the road, right? And so we're, we're going to talk today about the chain of fear on our lives. And I think I'm speaking into almost every life that is watching this gathering right now because 365 times in scripture, God says over and over again, he says, fear not. He says, do not worry. He says, do not be afraid. 365 different verses encourage us to live a life that is free from fear. So this is God understanding the world that we live in and the world that we've come from. And it's God encouraging us today that you actually can live free from both generational chains of worry, if that's what you're dealing with today, or from the world of circumstantial worry that has a grip on you. So we have a world that seems to be in panic mode right now. And it seems like the church culture at large, not necessarily talking about us, but tell me if you see this. We've got people on one side using the, the faith over fear language and saying that we need to open everything up and get life back to normal again. And then we've got the side that is being cautious and you know listening to the government and health official recommendations. And we contend that the best way we, we you know that we've said from the start I, uh, is to to be on both sides of the coin of faith and walking in wisdom. And and so we've I have friends that I love on both sides of this conversation. And you do too, probably. I'm, I'm guessing that you do too. And so as one of the lead pastors at Destiny, and I want to say, and Deanna would echo this, we didn't come to the decision to uh, have the doors of our con uh, sanctuary here, the doors closed lightly. We sought the counsel of many. Um, as Proverbs says, we, we studied and looked at the to spiritual leaders, those in our denomination, our district, and those in the medical field, people of faith. And we've prayed and we fasted. And the reality is, no matter where you land in that conversation, we have a world around us. For many of us now, it's close friends and family and acquaintances that have lost loved ones and are grieving. And in light of all of that, again, at Destiny, we've said from the start, we want to walk in both faith and in wisdom. And, and so for the, the first whole month of us of adhering to social distancing practices, we've stayed on the theme of faith. We've been talking about faith. We've been leaning hard into letting the roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah um, go forth from us, radiate from us. And now we've turned to breaking chains and we're gonna go head on with the conversation of fear. God's voice, I will say it right now at the beginning, says that you can live fearless and free. God's will for my life and for your life was not that Jesus would come out of the grave and that he'd be the only one. <laughs> he wanted to be the first one to come out of the grave so that 
all of us could walk in the victory and the freedom that Christ won for us. And so if Jesus came out of the grave, he wants you to walk fearless in this world and free. And he understands all about how big that statement is. He said, in, the, in this world, you will have trouble. But then what does he say? Take heart. I have overcome the world. And so today, we want to ask God to chip away at and even break off in our lives this chain of fear and this chain of worry that's in our lives. So let's ask the big question. Why are we afraid? Why are we afraid of the future? I, I think primarily because we can't see it. We, I, I think the number one reason that we're afraid of the future today is because it's over there somewhere. And we don't know what's over there. And so we don't know how long this pandemic is going to play out and when we're, when we're going to get back to the way things were. And if we simply knew what was over there, we would be less fearful. But here's something to ponder. What would happen if we could know what was over there? What would, would we be less fearful? I want you to see how the enemy's got us trapped here. You know, we say, well, if I knew what was over there, I, I wouldn't be so worried about it, right? And then if God says, okay, well, this is what's over there, we'd be like, oh, wow, I didn't know that was going to happen. I didn't know we were going to do that. And the enemy has a way of trapping us in this mindset, and God wants to break you free from that today. So I understand getting worried, and I understand. I get fear. I understand it. And maybe it's because we don't know what's over there that's got us worrying. It's, it's maybe what's kept you up at night. Maybe there was a tragedy in your past, and that thing now has got you imprisoned. It's imprisoned you to be afraid of what's in the future. Maybe the reason you didn't sleep well last night is because you're not sure that you're going to have what it takes to cut it. And whatever is coming tomorrow, you're afraid of the future because you don't know if you're going to be good enough or not. Or the flip side of that is maybe you're afraid that it is going to work out the way that you hoped, but then you don't know what you're going to do after that. <laughs> and so some of you are like, I really want to get this job, but then what if I get the job? <laughs> or if I really want her to say yes when I ask her out, but then what if she says yes? Then what am I going to do? Am, am I going to be able to be the guy? Am I, I going to be able to be the man, be the husband, be the father, lead the family, and do all the stuff? Am I going to be able to come through? So I, I kind of don't want her to say no. I'm a little bit worried about that. But then if she says yes, I'm going to be a lot worried about that. So some of us are more afraid of succeeding than we are of failing. And that's why we don't try. Because we've learned how to live with a limp or live with less. And to live with fear and to live with worry. And God is saying gently to you this morning, I believe I didn't bring my son, up, my son up from the grave so that you can be imprisoned with worry every day of your life. I brought my son up so that you could walk in the freedom that he is bringing into your life. It, it, it doesn't matter what it is that's coming against you, I believe today that God wants to help us all. And I've got two lanes that I could take today. I was talking about this on Tuesday's lunch with us, with Derek, and I, I could share a really hype talk this morning and get us all fired up. You know, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. Let's take that hill. And that's a good quote, by the way. I think that's true. We could, we could go down that hype road today and just kind of go out of here like, yeah, we're not going to fear anything. <laughs> 
Or we could go down a more hopeful road today, and that's the road that I want to go down. I want to go down a road to try to help us build a coping mechanism, not a codependent mechanism, but a biblical mechanic so that when fear comes, and I believe God wants us um, to give us some practical things today. Jim, could you grab that uh, black sock there? No, right next to it underneath my glasses and hand that to me, the, the black sock right there. Yep, the laptop. Yep, grab that for me. Thank you. Awesome. I forgot to grab this before the message. So have you ever noticed, thank you, have you ever noticed sometimes the quarterback in football, he has one of these, there's a graphic that should be on the screen. He has one of these on his arms. You see that? Okay, I've got one on my arm now too. I I meant to have this on before. You see one of these football players, you understand, we're talking football now, and sometimes the defensive back has one, and, and they're kind of looking down between the plays, and they might have a little flip, this Velcro thing on there, and be looking at the plays. It's kind of a cheat sheet is what it is, and uh, because I guess what's happening is everybody's trying to steal your stuff. They're trying to steal your place, so they've got people on the other side. Uh, their whole job is to try to steal what you're doing and figure out your communication, And so now there's all this confusing communication that's happening. You ever notice that watching football? So they're sending a play in, and there's this one guy holding up a big poster board uh, with a cartoon on it. And you're like, what is that? I don't understand this. This is football. And then there's a guy over to one side with a pink hat, and he's like doing some signs and, you know, doing this thing. And then there's a guy next to him with a green hat, and he's doing some other signs. And then there's a guy next to him with a white hat, and he's doing some signs. And so the quarterback's looking over here, and he's trying to get all these messages coming from all these different directions. And there's a sign, and there's these motions, and there's cartoon characters, and colored hats. And there's pandemonium going on and the play clock's going on the quarterback's looking over one of the guys has got the play and he's looking for that guy and when he's got the play now he wants to remember it all and so uh, he's got a lot of stuff that's happening because he has you know these 10 guys that he needs to tell what's going to happen and where you're going to go and what's the play going to be and so what he does is he goes he looks at this and he says okay yeah, okay, this guy goes here, this guy. and he pulls out his, his wrist guide up, his cheat sheet, if you want to call it that, and he's like, okay, it's the split, banana pocket, you know, all the language that they use, because that's what they say. I'm pretty sure of it. And then he says, you know, 22 left slant, go this way, <laughs> and, and then he calls that play. And when he does, they're not looking at him going, what are you looking at that thing for? You know, you're supposed to uh, be leading us. They don't do that when when he looks at this. No, they understand how complex it is, all the different plays, that there's a a bunch of plays involved, and they've changed a lot over their formations, probably since the last week. They've had to make some changes since the last game, try to get some new strategies since the last game, Um, that there are a bunch of plays involved. And on top of that, you know, maybe we've actually changed the way that we're singling and communicating on the team and the play since last week, because maybe somebody figured that out with the pink hat and the white hat and the purple hat. Everything's changing. So he's practiced the play and he's got him on his wrist as a backup. He knows what to do in every play. Everyone knows their assignments and they've rehearsed, the team's rehearsed these plays over and over and over again, probably just this week. And they're confident. 
But this risk guide is just giving me that extra bit of assurance that says I've got a play in mind for the situation. And even for situations I haven't prepared for, I've got the plays on my risk guide. And I believe God wants us, he wants to give us, give you something practical today so that you don't leave saying, I went to church and the pastor said I'm not supposed to fear anything. So I guess if I'm a good follower of God, I'm just not going to fear today. Here we go. <laughs> and, and so I would rather give you a game plan, a way that you can navigate through the circumstance to put something on your wrist, to have something with you, a risk guide, if you will, that when the next circumstance comes and when the next situation comes, you don't just fall apart and go, oh my goodness, what am I going to do now? Because they're coming at me from all sides. You can go, give me a second here. Um, I'm going to run this play, uh, number three, uh, right now. I'm going to do that because I'm already prepared for how to handle this moment. So I think there's a couple key things today I want to focus around. By the way, it's brand new this week. If you want to download the message notes, you can go to mydestiny.family forward slash notes, and you can download them in Microsoft Word or PDF format and have them in front of you for all the, the fill in the blanks like you normally have. Um, so here's the thing. I think there's a couple things that we want to focus around, and here's the first one. The first one is this, that God wants you to know what's ahead. He wants you to know. He wants you to know. Now, that could sound a little bit interesting when we just gave this example of the fact that, you know, maybe we can't see what's ahead. But I don't mean that God wants to give you a detailed blueprint because in most cases, he doesn't want to do that. That's for you. And, you know, in case you're just getting to church this morning and wondering why God got, hasn't given you the instruction manual and the blueprint with all the photographs of how to do the whole, you know, how this whole thing is going to play out. Why? Because, listen, God's purpose for your life isn't to give you a plan, even though that's what we really want a lot of the times, is to give you himself. We sang about that this morning. It's not to give you a plan, it's to give you himself. God didn't create you for a plan. He created you for relationship. He knows the second that he gives you a plan, he's not going to maybe see you again for a while. Probably not until some kind of kink happens in the plan, and you're like, hey, this plan isn't working. And God responds, okay, I was wondering when you were going to get back. It's been, you know, 19 months. It's so good to see you again. <laughs> He's not interested in giving you a detailed plan. But don't hear me wrong. That doesn't mean that he's not going to give you a calling. He's not going to give you direction. That he's, he's not going to send you on a path with a passion and purpose. We spent a whole month talking about that. That stuff is important. We did a whole series on that. It just means that he is not interested in giving you the breakdown of it. The, the reason he's not going to do that probably for most of us more than likely is because there's some tough things that are coming in your plan. There are some rough stuff probably coming in your future. And God doesn't need you to be worried about what those things are right now because if he told you the whole plan and you saw it going out nine years from now then you're gonna have to walk through that reality every day from now until that ninth year possibly dreading what you're gonna have to walk through on that year nine instead of enjoying God in this moment right now and watching God do in this moment what God wants to do through you 
and in you, believing that in the next moment and in the next month and in the next year and whatever it is that's coming on year nine, um, God's going to be the same person who he is. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he's doing right now, he's going to be in my life. He's going to be near me. And so he's probably not going to give you the detailed report. Now let's look in Exodus chapter three. And then we're going to look in Joshua chapter 1. That's where we're going to go first this morning. Exodus chapter 3, God calls Moses at the burning bush to lead his people out of bondage in Egypt. He calls Moses to, to break the chains off in his, in his children's life and to lead them into the freedom that God had planned for them. So chain breaker is an idea that's been around in God's mind for you and for me for a really long time. When God calls him, this is what it says, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. And he sees your affliction today if you're stuck in affliction. I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And I'm stuck in affliction. He said, I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Prezizites, and the Hizzites, and the Jebusites. Now, if you don't know your Old Testament history real well, it's okay. But, but back to our visual here. Um, it would be like God saying, hey, I have high hopes for your football team this year. And everybody's like, yeah, right? But on your schedules this year, the teams that you're going to play are, are maybe, let's say, last year's Super Bowl winners first. You're going to play the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, and after them, you're going to play the Philadelphia Eagles. And after them, you're going to have to play the New England uh, New, New England, <laughs> the New England Patriots. And then you'll play them again and again and again. <laughs> That's what seems to happen. And then maybe the Denver Broncos, got some Broncos fans. You know, all the, all the winning Super Bowl teams. And, and after that, you'll say, whoa, I thought you said that we were going to have a blessed and easy year. I thought that's what you said, God. That's how the conversation went down here. And God says, I've heard the misery. I've heard, I've heard of their cries. I've seen their suffering, and I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to break them out of bondage and lead them into a land that's flowing with milk and honey. And then he continues. He says, and the New England Patriots, and the Eagles, and the Vikings. <laughs> and they're like, wait a minute. I thought you said that you were going to lead us into the promised land. And God said, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm leading you all the way in, but I want you to know what's there when you get there. That's the conversation that's happening now. Verse 9, it says, Now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And God says, key phrase here, I will be with you. And if you fast forward to Joshua chapter 1 now, what we just read is all about to come to pass. Moses didn't make it to the end of this promise. He did not go to, the, to lead the people into the land flowing with milk and honey because he sent 12 spies in to check it out, and they came back with a report. I, I know that many of you know this, but it's important to see how it relates to, to my life and yours this morning. So they came back. 
the vote was 10 to 2. 10 spies said, we can't go in. It's a no-go. There are Hittites in there and Jebusites in there and Canaanites in there. And this is going to be a fight. And by the way, these people are giants. These people make us little people. These people are intense. Yeah, we saw the milk and the honey, but did I tell you how big these people are? And 10 of them said, I say no. But two people said, we say go. So here's the thing that I want us to catch. God had already given them the promise. The promise was back in the first book that we read, back in Exodus, right? He had already given them the promise, but their ability to interpret the very next thing they faced was dependent on whether or not they had a plan or not. Whether they had a coping mechanism for their tendency towards fear and towards worry, and they didn't. So they just went by what they saw, and what they saw melted them into a puddle on the ground. <laughs> and Moses wasn't over, able to override that, both in his own life and in the people. There was, there was a bush burning, and it was consumed. And the voice of the Lord came from it, and the, the atmosphere was so thick, he said that I took off my shoes, and I knew that I was standing on holy ground, and I threw my staff down, and it turned into a snake, and I picked that thing back up, and it was a staff again. And, you know, hello, we're going, Right? That would be our response, you would think. But in the end, he surrendered to his fear. Everyone did. Moses eventually stumbled in the wilderness journey that he was on, and he didn't make it into the promised land. But one of those two spies now is on the scene. In verse 1, Joshua 1, let's read that. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. Now, this is where we don't want to get written into the story. We don't want someone to say that to one of our descendants, I, I want to give you everything that was promised to your mom. Right? We don't want our kids to hear, I want to give you everything that was promised to your dad. We want to walk with God as he's leading us forward and make way for those who come behind us. And so he says, your territory, uh, verse 4, will, will be expansive. And let's jump down to verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause these people to inherit the land. A few verses down, let's go down to verse 9. It says, be strong and courageous again. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So what's in your future? What do we learn from these accounts that's in our future today? Here's what's in your future. Are you ready? What lies ahead for you and for me are rivers to be crossed <laughs> for all of us today. And are you ready for the other things that are ahead of us? They're going to be walls to scale. The first city they came to, high walls, right? They're going to be enemies to fight in the land. This is, this is the promised land, but it's still full of stuff that we've got to take authority over in Jesus' name, right? And they're going to be giants to face in the land. Goliath is waiting for them in the valley. 
They're not there yet. They're not there yet, but they're going to get there. And when they get there, someone could say, wait a minute. I thought this was the land flowing with milk and honey today and blah, 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 blah. And it was supposed to be amazing, you know. Somebody needs a coping mechanism, right? Somebody needs a playbook. Somebody needs to have a a clue of how this is going to work. And in your life, there will be a river to cross. And in your life, walls to scale, enemies to fight. Giants are going to be in your story too. But also in your story, we see the promise of God is going to go and he is going to be with you. The promises of God are good. We sang about the promises of God. So let's look at these promises. The promises that he has for us is that he is going to be with you as you move forward. Also, the promise is there's going to be victory for you in your future, that in the end we win. Amen. Then this is what God is saying to us today. And thirdly, there's going to be an abundance for you in the future that God's leading into. You're going to have enough. You're going to have enough. If God had said, you know, hey, there's this saltine cracker over there in the promised land and lots of enemies, good luck, you know, they'd have been like, we don't need a saltine cracker. Why are we going over to the promised land? But God isn't saying that there's a little bitty crumb for you. He's saying this land is full of abundance. This land is for you. So move over that river. Trust me. I'm with you. I'm going to give you victory over whatever that you you face. And there's going to be abundance there. Promises are going to be fulfilled. So your promises that God has made to you likely isn't on the side of the river that you're already on. Many times it's on the other side. You've got to have, there's a river to cross. And you're like, but I don't know what's around the corner. I can't see what's over on the other side of the river. Well, I'll tell you, one of the things that's over there is God's promises being fulfilled in your life. It's God's promises. And I'll tell you another thing that's over there. There's a place for you and your family and your future family right over there. These Israelites were going not just to set up shop for themselves. They were going to set up shop for everyone who came after them, especially one who came from heaven named Jesus, who made a way for all of us to be in the family of God. They were crossing over not just into their future. They were crossing over into our future. All of that is the promises of God. So what's ahead? You don't need to know, you know, if you don't know, there, there are walled cities in your future. If, if, you, if you don't have a, a plan already, if you're, you're, you're not already kind of in the zone where you're like, you know, I've got a system that I've prepared and I'm ready and I'm rehearsed, then you're going to walk right into Rapid City or wherever it is that you're going and say, whoa, there's a wall here. <laughs> there's a wall here. And, 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 and what is happening? Where is God? I, th- I thought he was taking all the walls down. I, 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 thought, I thought he was for me. I thought he led me here. But I guess not because there's a wall here. Right? And so what if they got to Jericho and went, oh, we must have crossed the wrong river because there's a wall here. I got to turn around. <laughs> I got to go somewhere else. It must be, this must not be God's plan. Now, if you don't have a plan, that first giant that steps up into your life, your whole faith has the potential to do what happened to theirs, just melt into the ground. And you're going to go, no one ever told me that when I followed Jesus, it could still be challenging. I kind of had this idea that Christians didn't deal with cancer. They didn't deal with death. They didn't, I also didn't know that their families had been rocked, and I didn't know that they'd been down in the depths, and I didn't know that there were anxiety overcomers, and there's addiction overcomers, and depression overcomers. I didn't know that they were in the thick of it with me, but yet I see them that their God has come through for them. I think the second thing that's important to us is not that we know what's ahead, but that we know that the one who knows what's ahead is with us. 
Isaiah 41.10 has got to be on our risk guide. Um, and this is what Isaiah 41.10 is all about. This should be the very next passage of scripture that you memorize. If you're memorizing scripture, start here. This is one of those 365 verses about fear. And this is what it says. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This is God's promise to you. And if you don't know that promise, then you're going to go, A, I don't know what's over there. And then once you see what's over there, you're going to be like, I don't know how to deal with it. I don't know if I can handle this. I don't know if I'm going to make it through that. And you need to immediately be able to go to, well, I've got this circumstance pressing in. Man, I've, I've got to go back to Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. And you start reading it in the play, but do not be dismayed. I am your God. Thank you. I'm going to claim that right now over my life. I'm going to hold on to that right hand of God. That almighty God is right here, and he is with me where I am right now, and that he is my God. So you've got to personalize that today, and you've got to take it to heart today. And what's God going to do? It says that if you keep on following the scripture, he's going to strengthen me. He's going to strengthen me so that I'm going to have enough strength to face whatever the next thing is. And he's going to help me so that I have to do it on my own. And he's going to hold me up, it says, with his mighty, his righteous right hand. That's my default. That's what I go to. It's in my playbook. That's my default. When the voice of worry comes into my life, whoa, time out, worry. We can speak to worry. We can say, whoa, time out. This is, I just need to get back to my risk guide for a moment. And here, this is what it says. It says, do not fear. <laughs> let's, let's do not fear for a minute and, and hang on because God is with me. And I'm, I'm not going to be dismayed because he's God and because he's going to strengthen me. And I'm going to trust that he's going to strengthen me right now and he's going to help me. And he's going to hold me up with his righteous right hand. It's turning the story around and understanding that God is a force. God is a force, not some nebulous thing up in the sky. He is a person that is a force. <laughs> and he is for you. And he is with you. And you may not know what's on the other side of the wall, but you can have peace because you know who is on the other side of the wall. I don't know all of what's over there, but I know who's over there. And the Lord Almighty is over there. That's who's over there. The God of heaven is over there. And guess what? He says he's going to be with me. He's going to be with me. And it changes our mindset. If we're using the language from last week, it renews our mind. I've, I've heard it said that fear is faith in the enemy. Fear is not a lack of faith necessarily. It's just faith in the enemy, that the enemy's plans are going to prevail. It's, it's me saying or thinking what the enemy is trying to do to me is going to succeed. I'm, I'm believing that whatever could go wrong is going to go wrong. If, I could, if things could get worse, it's probably going to get worse. Um, you know, and, and, and it's probably based on circumstances. I'm looking around here, and it's going to be even more terrible than I think it's going to be. That's that's what, what fear is. Fear is faith in the enemy. And God is wanting to shift that thinking around today and say, listen, you're going to have faith one way or another. You're going to have it in, in the enemy's plans for it. I'd love you to have faith in the fact that the God of heaven is with you. That's what I want you to have faith in. If the God of heaven is with you, then you're going to make it through whatever's on the other side of that wall, good or bad or high or low, success or failure, life or death you're going to make it on the other side of the wall. 
You, you know, it's pretty amazing. I was, I was reading through Joshua and I got to chapter two and it hit me in a whole new way. So Joshua also sent spies into the land. I don't know if I would have, you know, repeated that after the first time, but that's, that's what they did. They tried it again. And so they sent some spies in to check things out, to survey Jericho and to see how it's all going to work. And the spies met with a woman, not with, it says, of, not of good reputation, right, named Rahab. And as they were talking to Rahab, they're like, we're just trying to sort out, you know, how this is going to go. And listen to the way that she responded to them in verse 8. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land. You hear what she's saying? I know that God has given you the land and that the fear of you is falling on us. The fear of, of, of this army of God that's coming is falling on us. So there's a great fear. Can we just... Look at that for a second. Some translations say a great fear has fallen on us. And that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you. We've heard what God has already done for you is what she's saying. She's testifying for them. We've heard what he did for you at the Red Sea before when he came out to Egypt and what you did to the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. And there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. And then she goes on to say, so when you guys overrun the city, because we know that's what's going to happen, please remember me and my family because we're your friends. (laughs) So don't be thrown off by high walls. And don't be intimidated by the history that you've heard because she's saying, Hello, gentlemen, all of us are scared to death of all of you. (laughs) Do you see how this plays out? So here you and I are, we're walking into the city. We're scared about what could happen, what we don't know, what might happen. Can we handle this? We, We may not be able to handle it. Will God come through? We're asking all these questions. Will God not come through? And as we're coming, we're coming in with the history and the reputation of being woven into the story of God. Jesus is alive from the dead. He made me alive from the dead. He put his spirit in me. The same God that Jesus Christ raised from the dead is in me. I'm called a son or I'm called a daughter of God. I've got the sword of the spirit. I've got the word of God in my hands. I've got eyes to see spiritual things. I am a child of God coming in the name of Jesus. And we're walking into the circumstance and into the situation thinking, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's over there. I don't know. And what we don't know, what you don't know is that the enemies on the other side of the equation going, man, I hope those Christians don't wake up because if they do, they're going to turn this thing upside down. (laughs) They're coming in the name of the lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus is his name and the enemies got us thinking, man, I can't do anything. I can't handle what's coming. I'm not going to survive anything. While he's on the other side, biting his fingernails, saying, if you only knew who you are and what you've got, and to know that all of hell trembles at the name that you carry. Whoo! <laughs> that we're melting over here at the name of Jesus, and you're over there melting at our name. 
that doesn't make sense. And God wants us to turn this story around and see it from the other side. Not that, you know, we're great and here we come, but that we're coming and we're carrying with us a great name. <laughs> it's interesting in the Hebrew language, a lot of the, the words in Hebrew, when you spell them backwards, they have opposite meanings. And so the word for fear is fared, I believe it's pronounced. P-H-A-R-E-D is how they, they translate it into the English language. So you can write out fear like this and put the image on the screen here. But if you reverse the letters, this word means to push forward with great propulsion. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? He pushes us forward. The enemy wants you to see it one way, and God wants you to see it his way. The enemy wants to see you backing up because of, what God's ahead, uh, because of what's ahead, but God wants to say, if you move with me and you go with faith, I'm going to propel you forward into my purposes and my plans for, what, for, for you. And what's ahead is backing, I'm backing you up because Jesus is with you. The third thing, that's on our risk guide, is that you and I have to understand that whatever thoughts are coming to imprison us, that we can imprison them. So we get free from fear by imprisoning the thoughts that are coming to imprison us. So let's just say that something went down, maybe with your ex-husband, and there's a situation there, and it comes up regularly, comes up into your mind, and every time it does, it puts you in a jail cell of fear. Every time you hear the door shut and the, the, the thing clink and the lock set and you're like, I'm stuck in this thing. It's like I'm in a prison. The door closes. Now I'm worried about this outcome and how this is going to play out. And every time it comes, the whole situation kind of rehearses again and you've been through it like a thousand times and you hear that door shut and you hear the little clinky thing clink and you hear the locks and you're like, I am just stuck in this prison of worry. And what God is saying today is you've got to have a game plan and a coping mechanism. You've got to have something that is already in place in your spirit so that when that idea about your ex-husband and all of that situation starts coming in to put you in prison, you, as it's coming, actually put that thought about your ex-husband in prison right now before it puts you in jail. You are going to put it in jail. This is how 2 Corinthians 10 says it. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Can we just say that together? They had divine power to do what? Destroy strongholds. We're, we're going to break some chains today. This is what God's thinking about when he's thinking about you. He's thinking about demolishing things that have imprisoned you so far on your journey in life. Verse 5, it says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And what? Take every thought captive to obey Christ. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so on your wrist guide, on your cheat sheet, 
you would already have thought through some of those things. These are the things in my life that I'm worrying about right now. So when they come, you don't go, oh no, it's my financial situation again. And, 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 you know, and we're worried about that. And, and, and whether or not that stipend's gonna come or when's that's gonna happen. And, and I don't know if it is, and I've heard it's not. And we've got all these voices that are coming in and, and already you feel like the wall's closing in, that door is closing shut. You hear the clink and the lock and the whole deal. And now you're going to spend another night of your life worrying and fearing about something you really don't even quite fully understand or have all the information about, right? You've already got that down on your playlist, and so you already have a response to that. And you let you know what I'm going to do when that comes. You go to your playbook and says, I'm going to put it in the prison um, uh, uh, of my faith. My God will supply. This is what prison I'm going to put it in. My God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and, and glory in Jesus Christ. And I got that truth in my gut. I've already got it there. My God has never let me down. He will supply all my needs. So I've been through some bumpy roads, and you have too. I've, I've been through some dark nights, and you have too. I've been through death, and you have too. But my God has never let me down. And so we're still standing today, people, right? We're still here today. No matter is what on, what's on the other side of that wall, what, whatever is on the other side of that door, we're still here. No matter what is down that road. We're here today by the grace of God. And so I've got that in my mind, the character of God, the plan of God, the purpose of God, the promises of God. So when that worrisome web starts to forming in my mind, I say, hold up, wait a minute. I need to check my play guide here. I'm gonna look in that. No, 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 no. I'm not gonna do that. I'm believing. I'm gonna put in the jail of God's character. I'm gonna put it in the, the jail of God's promises of his provision and of his plan for my life. You might say, Sean, that sounds like a lot of work. How long did it take you to, to, to figure out the playbook and get it all ready? Well, listen, let me encourage you. Or, or, or maybe... Uh, Strengthen your mind here, right? Freedom takes work. <laughs> Freedom takes work. Jesus took over 33 years to die for our sins, and he had to travel from heaven to earth to set you free. You've got to dig in and upload and activate the promises of God in your life, and you can. It's that simple. You just got to put them in front of you so that when the darkness closes in, you've already got it rehearsed. You've got it prepared. You've gone over the plays over and over and over again, and you've planned. And so when difficulty comes, you can say, I don't like it. I don't want it, but I'll never say I didn't expect it. And I'm never going to say, well, I, I'm going to assume that God doesn't love me because I already know that he does <laughs> because I've already planned through that. And I've got the cross. I mean, Probably the biggest thing in my playbook, if I'm opening it up right now, is just a picture of the cross because the cross defeated it all. And that was the end. I know that God loves me. I know. I've got the cross. I know I'm going to stick with that right now until I can see more clearly on this earth. And I'm going to stick with what God has done for me. The last thing that we've got to go to on our risk guide is that we've got to take shelter in the indestructible love of God. We take shelter in the indestructible love of God. Now, what does that mean exactly? I think sometimes when we don't know what's on the other side, we want body armor. We want, we want a tank, right? We want to get in something that's bulletproof and to roll our way into the future and say, here we go. But that's not the way it's going to work with God. God's not interested in giving us a free pass in a broken world. He's interested in giving us something far greater, and it's in his indestructible love. 
And you and I can take shelter today in that indestructible love and know that nothing on the other side of our future can separate us from his love. I mean it. I mean it. You probably ran across people who say, or maybe you've said that uh, this before, or maybe you're saying it this morning. I used to love God. I used to go to church. I used to believe all that stuff until X, Y, and Z happened. And if that's God, I don't want any part of him. And if that's you, I can only point you to the cross. A God who understands your pain, who knows what you've been through, who knows what loss and death and tragedy looks like up close, but who really does love the world, even a broken world, and he says he is in it with you today. But if you choose to keep drawing near to him, nothing can separate you from that love. This is Romans 8, which is going to be all of our salvation when we make it to heaven. I think Paul's going to have one of the longest receiving lines in heaven, and we're going to say, man, thanks for not giving up in Romans chapter 7 and keep on writing into chapter 8, because chapter 8 is one of the greatest plays on earth, if not the greatest. This is what he wrote. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Verse 31 says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And then fast forward a bit to verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Down to verse 37. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. For I am sure. How did I get sure? I got a plan in place. I dug down into the truth. I put it inside of who I am. I put God's character and his purpose and his promises and his plans into my heart. I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That phrase Neither height nor depth, that word height there, that just, just, just one little fr- last freebie is a Greek word. And this is the same word that we had over in the last passage where it said destroy arguments and every high and lofty thing raised against the knowledge of God. It's the same word here. Arguments about how you're not going to make it, about this is bigger than God, about how you're not going to have the strength. No idea like that is going to survive. There is no height and no depth that's greater than this love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing today and nothing tomorrow. And what God is saying to us today is whatever is in tomorrow cannot separate you from the love of God. Whatever is into your tomorrow, well, you're going to be in the indestructible shelter of the love of God all the way through it. Tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. He said to Joshua, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. 
And that, the way that he can make that promise to you today is because at the end of life, of the only person on earth who got the playbook ahead of time, and that was Jesus, he knew what was in the playbook. He knew that there was a cross. He knew that there was a death. He knew that there was an exchange of his life for ours. He knew the agony. He knew the pain. He, he knew the betrayal. He knew what was before him the whole time. But I'm not even sure that Jesus knew in the last few minutes when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned me you're back on your own son why am I here all by myself why am I dying alone for the sins of the world and the answer is so that he could be in a moment of being forsaken by God the language of the scripture there so that every other person who comes after could know that they never ever ever will be in a moment where they are forsaken by God he took the forsaken so that we could have a lifetime of never being forsaken by God He's with you right now, and he's in it with you right now. And this is the story. This is our story. I know what's ahead, but I know who's with me right now. And I've got the power to take every single one of those worrisome patterns and thoughts and put it in the jail of Christ and to walk into the safe, indestructible shelter of the love of God in my life. Pastor Derek. Oh my gosh, you guys. You know, when, when someone gets up to, uh, to preach and, and minister, there's this, this thing that happens where, um, you know, as we get excited, the crowd gets excited, and the, as the crowd gets excited, we get more excited, and there's this, this back and forth. But what you guys just saw was Pastor Sean get that kind of excited with no feedback. Because he's not looking at, uh, he's not looking at the chat section. He's not looking at the, the hearts coming up on the screen. He has no idea whether he's reaching you or not. But his passion was so great, and 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 that's reflected in the comments, guys. I love that we have that chat section. It's it's making this so much more real for me, and I'm so glad that you're here. Um, I want to close with some questions, uh, and I and I don't like to just ask a question. I always kind of like to uh, uh, preface a question to kind of give you. Or, reasoning as, as you answer. So um, I kind of feel like a lot of our fears for the future come from doubt that God has a good plan. And from a heavy belief that we have to handle our future alone. Pastor Sean opened with, uh, with the verse from John chapter 16, verse 33. It says, in this world you will have trouble. This is Jesus speaking. Okay, he's looking at us. He's being honest. He's not trying to sugarcoat things. He's not trying to hide anything. Jesus says, in this world, it's going to be tough. But it's going to be okay. Jesus says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus is basically saying, it's going to be tough, but it's going to be okay because I came before you. So here's the questions. Do we believe Jesus? Do you believe Jesus? When he looks at your life, when he looks at the plan from the beginning of your life to the end, and he says that he's got a plan for you that's good, do you believe that he's got your best interests at heart? Do you believe that he's got this? If you remember back to last week, Pastor Sean shared about the father um, in, uh, I can't remember what book it is, I forgot to write it down, but he, he shared about the father who asked Jesus to bring deliverance to his child. And, and the father said, uh, Jesus, heal my child if you can. If you can. And Jesus replied, what do you mean if? 
Jesus says, I'm the son of God. I am God. I'm, I'm flesh, yeah, but I'm, I'm also God. What do you mean if I can heal your Of course, Jesus wasn't like that aggressive, but, but that's kind of the attitude, and that's, that's the discussion. Jesus is like, I created all of this. What do you mean if? And Jesus replied to the father. He said, what do you mean if I can? Anything is possible. Anything is possible if a person believes. And the father replied, I do believe but help me overcome my unbelief. And I've, I feel like that's a very human condition. We can believe, but to internalize it and to live from that belief is a whole different game. And our belief that Jesus is who he said he is and will do what he said he will do is central to our victory over fear into those chains being broken off of our lives. So today I want to pray for two, two, two groups of people, uh, and you might fall into both of those, and that's okay. Uh, I want to pray for us uh, that, that, that God would, would break chains of doubt and chains of fear. And I realize that we talked about doubt last week. I understand that, but we're in process, man. And things take a while sometimes, all right? So we're going to pray over that one again. And we're going to pray that God would break off the chains of fear. And then for anyone who um, is standing here and they're, and they're hearing all of the, uh, that the, uh, Romans chapter 8, where nothing in heaven and earth or, uh, that we can do or that, that anybody else can do would separate us from the love of God, but you're standing on the outside of that conversation saying, but I don't know God. I've never met him. If you're standing on the outside of the, that, 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 that uh, discussion saying, um, I want that kind of a relationship, but I don't have it now, that's, a, that's the second group we're going to pray for. So, um, God, I thank you so much for everyone uh, within earshot of this, uh, of this live stream and uh, of, of the video later on. God, I pray that you would bring peace and comfort to everyone. God, I pray that you would help us to overcome our unbelief. God, we believe you. We believe you on paper, at least. But sometimes when it comes to our hearts and sometimes when it comes to the reality of our lives and our situations and the way that our humanity deals with struggle, God, sometimes our unbelief wins. And I pray that you would continue to break off those chains of unbelief. And God, as you're breaking off those chains of unbelief, I pray that those chains of fear would fall as well. Uh, as I was thinking and praying over this uh, just before I came up, God kept giving me this picture of, of, of metal in chains and the way things are made and the way things break. And um, uh, chains don't break when they get hot. Metal, metal melts when it gets hot. It, it, it's weakened. But if you really want to shatter steel, it, it's cold. And uh, you, you, if you, you freeze it, you hit it with a hammer, it shatters, just, just breaks. And... Uh, I don't understand for sure exactly why God's giving me that picture, but it kept coming back, and I wanted to share it. Uh, but we don't necessarily always have the tools. I, th I think this is where we're going. We don't always have the tool for the job. You know, in, in my garage, I might have a torch. I might be able to produce heat. Um, I might be able to, you know, stick something metal in the freezer, but ultimately, uh, if I'm going to freeze steel enough to shatter it, um, there are tools that I just don't have. So God, I pray that you would bring in your, your master tool chest to this chain problem that we have. God, I pray that you would come in and you would, you would take these chains and you would do the things that only you know how to do. That you would work the metal that binds us and that you would shatter it like only you can do, God. God, help our unbelief. God, we know that you have a plan for us. 
for future and for hope. And God, I pray as we move out this week, you would continue to break these chains off and that we would feel lighter and better and and more full of hope for the future because we know you're already there. For the rest of us, uh, for the, for the, for the other, other section, I should say, uh, if, you, if you are standing on the outside of this conversation and you're just like, man, I want that kind of relationship. I want that kind of love. I want somebody in my corner that knows where I'm going. Um, pray after me. God, I recognize that you are the creator of the universe. And I recognize that you created me. And I desire to have a relationship with you. Jesus, I know that you died on the cross for my sins. And I pray that you would bring me back to life with you. And today I begin a new journey with you. And I trust God that you have a plan for my future and that I won't be alone in it because you're already there. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, Oh, amen.